series that we were um, going through in First John, and um, normally what we do is we go, um, we preach through a book expositionally. So this morning we're going to take a break and just look at um, a particular passage in the Psalms. Um, so Psalm 42 and Psalm 43, uh, these are Psalms that we're going to um, be concerned with this morning. And the title of my sermon is Dark Night, Bright Hope. Dark Night, Bright Hope. I want to show you and also invite you to learn with me what the Bible says about the subject of depression. It is a subject that is hardly spoken about and a subject that, although it is sensitive, it is a subject that we need to talk about from a biblical perspective and we'll look at it from these two Psalms. Let us take this time and present it to the Lord in prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, as we draw near to you this morning, we want to thank you, Father, that you are a Father who is in heaven, who truly cares for your own, who truly loves us. And may we look to you, O God, trust in you, hope in you, in the midst of life's difficulties, know that we have you as our hope, our God, and our salvation. May you bless our time together as we go through your word this morning. In the name of our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray this. Amen. Someone has suggested that most of our days are, are three kinds. There are mountaintop days, there are ordinary days, and there are dark days. But, but sometimes the dark days persist, don't they? And when they do, they are days of depression. According to Gary Collins, in his textbook, Christian Counseling, he mentions that there are millions of people that suffer from depression. He says some of history's greatest military leaders, statesmen, musicians, scientists, and, and theologians have been victims of depression. But depression is no respecter of persons. It's known as the common cold of mental disorders. Many biblical characters suffered from depression. You think about men like Job, Moses, Jonah, Peter, and the whole nation of Israel experienced depression. Jeremiah the prophet wrote a book of lamentations. He was known as the weeping prophet. Elijah fled into the wilderness where he plunged into despondency. He even wanted to die. He was suicidal. Then there was Jesus in Gethsemane where he was greatly distressed. In the words of the Amplified Bible, he began to show grief and, and distress of mind and was deeply depressed. 
Then he said to his disciples, My soul is very sad and deeply grieved, so that I am almost dying of sorrow. So it's not just spiritual amateurs that suffer from depression. Even the spiritually mature experience depression. In C.S. Lewis's book, uh, Screwtape Letters, he says that all people experience undulation. The word undulation means ups and downs. Screwtape is a senior level demon in the book, and he's instructing his junior level demon, Wormwood, on how to tempt a Christian, which he calls his patient. This is what he says. Remember, it's, 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 a, it, 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 it's, it's just a novel, right? Um, and so, <laughs> the screw tape is writing in this novel to his um, junior uh, level demon called Wormwood. And he's writing about the, how to tempt the Christian. And this is what he says. Listen to this. If you had watched your patient, talking about a Christian, if you had watched your patient carefully, you would have seen this undulation, this up and down in every department of his life. His interest in his work, his affection for his friends, his physical appetites, they all go up and down. As long as he lives on earth, periods of emotional and bodily richness and liveliness will alternate with periods of numbness and poverty. The dryness and dullness through which your patience is now going are not, as you fondly suppose, your workmanship. They are merely a natural phenomenon which will do us no good unless you make a good use of it. To decide what the best use of it, you must ask what the use of the enemy. Now, the enemy in this is God. But the enemy wants to make of it and then do the opposite. Now, may it now it may surprise you to learn that that God's effort to get permanent possession of a soul, He relies through the troughs um, even more than on the peaks. Some of His special favorites have gone through longer and deeper troughs than anyone else. In other words, depression, as I said, is no respecter of persons. In fact, even the most spiritually mature go through it. David is certainly an example of this. He was a man after God's own heart, and yet he experienced very low periods in his life. In fact, all the psalmists experienced periods of depression. In our text this morning, we find the psalmist downcast. His soul is in turmoil within him. And many people struggle with depression, whether it is a chronic depression or occasional depression. And spiritual maturity doesn't make you immune to its plague. So this is a very relevant topic for us in, in the church. As we approach the topic of depression, we need to ask ourselves a few questions. What does the condition called depression look like? What are the causes of depression? And what is the cure? Open your Bibles to Psalm 42. Most scholars believe that Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 used to be one psalm. The psalms are the same, and I think that they are right. The, the themes in both psalms are, are the same, and they both contain the exact same refrain throughout, as we will treat, as you will see, and we will treat them together this morning. 
Let us read Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. To the choir master, a masculine of the sons of Korah, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cut down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and all your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Vindicate me, Psalm 43, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring, bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to, to, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre. Oh God, oh my God. Why are you cast down, oh my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And this is the word of God. To divide our time this morning, I'm going to do something a little different than what I normally do. Instead of working through the natural division of the text, I'm, I'm going to follow Martin Lloyd-Jones's treatment of this psalm. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a medical doctor who became maybe the greatest preacher of the 20th century. He often approached a text like a clinician. And that's what he did with Psalm 42. He first dealt with the condition of spiritual depression in Psalm 42. Then he looked at the cause of spiritual depression and he finally looked at its cure. We'll follow the same organization. First of all, let us look at the condition of depression. The condition of depression. The, the, the condition of the psalmist here comes to us in vivid imagery. Look at Psalm 42 verse 1 and 2. Listen to what he says. He says, as a deer pants for flowing streams of water, so, my, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. 
the image here is of a deer that's living during a drought he can't find any water he's experiencing what we might call an extreme dry spell he's panting for water i i have never seen a deer pant for water to a point of dying but i know the experience of being thirsty and not being able to get water in 2009 i was in university by that time and I went to what we call Central City and um, I wanted to buy shoes and, and, and I could feel it was a hot day I think hotter than Rustenbeck um, it was a hot, hot day I was thirsty nowhere to find water and I was in the shop, I remember it was a Mr. Price and I, I, I stood on the queue there. I could feel that I, I am thirsty. I want water, but there's no water anywhere. And as I was paying, I was feeling dizzy. And the, the cashier said, are you okay, sir? And I remember saying, I am fine. And then turning back and then falling headfirst. The next minute when I was waking up was someone taking off my shoes, trying to give me air, and they had a glass of water. It's a picture of what happens when we are depressed. And that's the condition the psalmist finds himself in. He's depressed. He's dry. He's panting. Look at verse 5. The psalmist is cast down. He's in turmoil. This is repeated three times in the refrain of um, chapter 42, verse 5, and verse 11, and chapter 43, verse 5. He's in despair. He's discouraged. His turmoil may even refer to significant anxiety. His distress is very internal. He's at turmoil within himself. This is emotional and spiritual depression. But his internal depression is manifesting itself in external, in external ways. First of all, you can see in his countenance, in the way he looks, right? In his face. In, in Psalm 42 verse 11, the, the King James Version says, God is the health of my countenance. God is the only one who can lift the psalmist's countenance, who can bring joy to his face. Implied in the fact that the psalmist's countenance is cast down. You know the song, if you're happy and you know it, then your face will really show it? Well, the same thing can, 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 be, can be true when you are depressed. If you are downcast and you know it, then your face will surely show it. And that, that seems to have been the case with the psalmist here. His internal depression was manifesting itself in ex external ways. The most obvious evidence is the fact that the psalmist has been crying for what seems like forever. Even though he's thirsty for God, his tears have been his food day and night, verse 3. It's a common phenomenon to lose your appetite if you're experiencing acute depression or, or, or anxiety. In fact, it's common to lack motivation for a lot of things. Have you been in a, a condition where you just don't want to get out of bed? Where you want to cover yourself in blankets forever? This is the experience of the psalmist. And I'm sure that it's an experience that we've all shared. 
All of this is like a waterfall crushing down upon his soul. His, his thirsty soul is surrounded by water, but it's not the kind of water that will quench his spiritual and emotional thirst. It's the kind that makes him even thirstier. He's in deep water emotionally. All of God's breakers and wavers have gone over him. Verse 7. He goes about mourning. We are told twice in verse 9 and, and, and chapter 43 verse 2. His distress is like a deep wound in his bones. Chapter 42 verse 10. He feels rejected by God. Chapter 43 verse 2. So we've seen the condition, right? The psalmist is severely depressed. Let's look now at the causes of depression. The causes, second uh, point. The psalm doesn't give an exhaustive list of the things that cause depression. It only lists the particular reason the psalmist is experiencing depression. Martin Lloyd-Jones expands the psalm, the psalm's cause and lists five causes. First of all, he says things that cause depression most of the times, first of all, are temperament, physical conditions, the reaction to circumstances, the devil, and unbelief. Not even this is an exhaustive list. And I will not even attempt to give you an exhaustive list either. I am simply going to talk about the particular cause the text talks about. But I don't want to minimize many causes of depression. So don't, don't um, uh, um, interpret me as minimizing some of the causes that I did not mention. If you are experiencing depression at the moment, talk to a good Christian counselor. Or talk to your doctor about the things that may be causing your depression. Isn't it a good opportunity, even through that, to come for counseling? To hear what the scriptures have to say through your condition. The psalmist is depressed because he feels distant from God. This comes out in chapter 42, verse 1 and 2. The psalmist is thirsty for God. His soul pants for God. C.S. Lewis says his appetite is for God. His longings and desires are for God. He'll settle for nothing less than God. A.W. Toza once said, when religion has said its last word, there is little that we need other than God himself. That's what the psalmist needs. He needs God. More specifically, he's thirsty for God's presence. He wants to be able to appear before God. In Psalm 42 verse 4, we are told that there was a time when he used to go up to Jerusalem to worship God at the three annual festivals. He would go with the throng of Israelites. We are told he was a worship leader. He used to worship. He used to lead worship at some point. He would lead the Israelites in procession to, 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 to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a, a multitude-keeping festival. He would play the lyra to praise God, as, as verse 4 says of, of, of chapter, chapter 43. But now things have changed. There's a dark night that he is experiencing. It appears as though he is in exile. Look at verse 40. Um, 6 verse verse 2 of chapter 42 verse 6 I mean 
He remembers that he remembers he remembers God from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Mount Hermon is at the northernmost point of the border of Israel at the headquarters of the Jordan River. That the psalmist is at the furthest point away from God. He has been exiled from Israel and is not able to go up to the temple where God God's presence dwells. In chapter 43, verse 1, the psalmist asks God to vindicate him and defend his cause against an ungodly people or an ungodly nation. Apparently, the psalmist has been hurled off into exile by a foreign nation and can't worship God in the place where God's glory dwells. Well, things are different for us, aren't they? And praise the Lord for that. Because I don't have a an air ticket fare to go to Israel. <laughs> I can't afford it. In Christ, God's glory and presence is no longer isolated to a mountain or a temple. God's glory tabernacled among us in Christ. Jesus is the new temple. He's the new place where God's presence resides. And all of us who are in Christ are also called the temple of God. Through the Holy Spirit, God, um, through the Holy Spirit, Christ dwells in us. We have immediate access to God's presence. We can draw near to God. You see, if you are thirsty for God's presence, you can simply go to Jesus and drink deeply. Believe that Jesus died for your sins and was raised on the third day and you will have eternal life and access to God's presence. Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, remember in John 4 verse 14, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. If you are thirsty for God, come to Jesus but even those who are in Christ have, and have access to God's presence can sometimes feel distant from God. This distance can cause depression. And depression can also result in feeling distant from God. Sometimes when we are depressed, that is the cause of spiritual dryness. There are many people who feel that God has abandoned them or rejected them, as the psalmist feels in, in 43 verse 2. Despite how hard they've tried, they feel that God is inaccessible. You may know people like this. You may be someone like this. You may have felt this way yourself at times. You may feel this way right now. And when God feels distant, it's easy to become depressed. In times like this, what should we do? We've seen the condition is depression here. We've seen a cause can be feeling distant from God. But what's the cure? Let us look at the third point, the cure. The cure is found in the repeated refrain in verse 5 of chapter 42 and verse 11 and verse 5 of chapter 43. Listen to what it says. Why are you cut down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, 
for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. In this repeated refrain, we find the cure for spiritual depression. We must preach the gospel to ourselves. The, the, the psalmist talks to himself. He says to his soul, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. There's a dialogue going on between the two parts of the believer. The man of faith and conviction and the man of flesh and confusion. C.S. Lewis says that we are amphibians, half spirit and half animal. Paul says that we are filled with the Spirit, but still wrestle with the flesh. And sometimes the spiritual part of us needs to have a come to Jesus meeting with the fleshly part of us. That the rational side needs to have a sit down with the emotional side. We, we need to tell it like it is to ourselves. I love the way Martin Lloyd-Jones puts it. Um, listen to what he says. He says we must talk to ourselves instead of allowing ourselves to talk to us. Do you realize what that means? I suggest that the main trouble in this whole matter of spiritual depression is, in a sense, is this. That we allow ourselves to talk to us instead of talking to ourselves. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they start talking to you. They, they bring back the problems of yesterday, etc. Somebody is talking. Who is talking? Yourself is talking to you. Now this man's treatment was this. Instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul? He asks. His soul has been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, Self, listen for the moment. I will speak to you. But what do we say when we talk to ourselves? Um, it is commonly thought that when you talk to yourself, <laughs> you might be going cuckoos, right? You must be, you might be going nuts. Well, so the psalmist gives an answer here. Look at verse eight of forty-two. We are called to remember God's steadfast love, to remind ourselves. Of God's covenant love. God makes promises and keeps promises. We need to speak these promises to ourselves. The, the psalmist will dwell in God's presence again. It's a promise. God's goodness and mercy will follow him all the days of his life. He shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The psalmist will again praise God. And therefore he can hope in God. These promises are found in God's word. So when we talk to ourselves, we, we, need to go, we, we need God's word to be the words that speak to our soul. That's why Psalm 43 verse 3 says, The psalmist asks God, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. This is an allusion to the way God led Israel in the wilderness. He led them with a light. 
But not only that, God also led his people with this truth and his word. And the word of truth is a light to our paths. So it's God's word that we need when we talk to ourselves. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves. You see, in the gospel, we have the promise of God's presence. Jesus has promised that he will be with us even to the end of the age through his spirit. Sometimes we don't feel God's presence, but he is with us. And Jesus promised that in the new heavens and the new earth, that we will dwell in his presence unencumbered, undisturbed. We are not visiting. We will be there forever. In Jesus' vision, vision, in Revelation 21, in John's vision, in Revelation 21, he says in verse uh, 2 to 4, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud, loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be there as they are God. Listen to this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, no crying, no pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. The presence of the Lord will bring joy forever. Pain will be no more. Tears will be no more. Crying will be no more. Mourning will be no more. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. One day, there will be no depression because one day God's people will be in God's presence without hindrance forever. That The promise of that day is a cure for depression today. In John chapter 12 and 13, before Jesus went to the cross, his soul was troubled to the point of death. But in John chapter 14, he told his disciples two times, not to let their hearts be troubled. That seems like a double standard, doesn't it? But it's not. You see, the reason Jesus had a troubled heart was because he was going to the cross. But he was raised from the dead. He returned to the Father, and his death and resurrection paved the way for us to also go to be with God. That the very thing that gave Jesus a troubled heart, the cross, is the same thing that give us untroubled hearts. We can trust that. Because Jesus' death and resurrection, one day, because of that, we will be with him. That hope can give us untroubled hearts. These are the type of things the gospel promises. These are the type of things the gospel promises to those who are part of his covenant in Christ. When we remind ourselves of these promises, we can experience a cure from depression. The Bible doesn't minimize the reality of depression and despair. But the thing that is unique with the Bible is it it, it, it mixes 
temporary despair with eternal hope. John Piper calls this future grace. We must believe in the promises of God. The remedy for depression is hope in God. And this is not Christianese. You might be saying to me, well, I mean, it's easy for you to say. This is not Christianese. I'm not trying to fill up the time. But this is the word of God. This is the truth. The Christian counselor Gary Collins goes on to say, a conviction that God is alive and in control can give hope and encouragement even when we are inclined to be discouraged and without hope. Also, helpful can be meditation on the word of God and other things that are good, positive, and just. Meditation is a, is, is a form of self-talk that directs our minds to God and away from thinking that is negative and inclined to produce depression. Right? I love saying to my wife, especially in, in moments where I am very downcast and, and I would, um, you know, we would rattle each other with the word of God or with songs. And I would say to her, you see, if you win the battle here, you win it everywhere. The battle is here. And if we win the battle here with the word of God, meditate upon the word of God, fight the negative thoughts that, that result in depression. If we win the battle here, we win it everywhere. Preaching the gospel to yourself is a form of self-talk, and it can be a good treatment for depression. I'd like to close with one last quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones. This is what he says. The main art in the matter of spiritual depression is to know how to handle yourself. You must go on to remind yourself of God, who God is, and what God is, and what God has done, and what God has pledged himself to do. Then having done that, end this great note. Defy yourself. Defy other people. Defy the devil and the whole world. And say with this man, I shall yet praise him for his help, for, for, for the help of his countenance, who is also the health of my countenance, and my God. Confess the word to yourself. Pray the word to God. Speak the word to your soul. Let us pray. Oh God, I have tasted your goodness and it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need for further grace. I am ashamed of my lack of desire. Oh God, the triune God, I want you more. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. Show me your glory, I pray, so that I may know you indeed. Begin in mercy a new work of love within me. Say to my soul, rise up, my love, my fair one, 
and come away. Then give me grace to rise and follow you. From this misty lowland where I have wandered so long, may your word dwell in me richly, in your children richly. Lead us, O God, to truly honor you with our lives. In the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ, dwell. And in his promises, find joy. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.